America's Green Lady Ghost. I'm Jason Horton. I'm Rebecca Lieb. And this is Ghost Town. This episode has everything. We have hauntings. We have pirates. We have fashion. We have firstborn children. We have immigration. And we have Puritans. I mean, what else do you need? It's the greatest hits. Yeah, exactly. I mean, throw in a witch and it's like, just stop. Just stop here. Stop now. I am so excited about this. This is a suggestion from my friend Erin Leaf. She is my resident Irish and New Hampshire historian, and she's like, you have to do an episode on Oceanborn Mary. Uh, and I was like, Oceanborn Mary, yes, please tell me more. And, and she kind of introduced me to the subject. But it, it is about this this woman, this extraordinary woman named Mary Wilson, whose life from birth to death, past death, is crazy. It's very interesting. It's very crazy. It's very new hampshire centric and feels like so like east coast old world as i sit in in our little podcast nook wishing that i could go outside you know what i mean so mary wilson was born on july 28th 1720 on a ship from northern ireland to boston mary's scottish parents elizabeth and james wilson were emigrating to new england to get away from the violence in northern ireland and bought a passage on a ship called the wolf during the trip the wolf was overtaken by pirates who intended to take over loot the ship, sink it, sparing nobody on board. But as this was happening, the pirate captain, which again, even saying pirate captain, like the pirate captain, uh, heard the cry of an infant down below deck. He went to discover who or what was happening there, and he saw Mrs. Wilson holding her newborn daughter. The pirate captain told Mrs. Wilson that if she would do him the honor of naming the baby after his own mother, Mary, some say it was his wife, Mary, someone in his family named Mary, he would spare the whole ship, not take a dime and leave peacefully. Obviously, Mrs. Wilson agreed and the pirates departed, but not before the pirate captain came back aboard the wolf one last time, which I'm, I'm sure freaked everyone out with a bolt of green silk, which he presented to Mrs. Wilson, stating that it was for little Mary's wedding gown. It's just like a pirate. It's like something switched in this pirate's head when he saw this little baby. And he's like, actually, I'm a great guy. How about some cloth for her wedding day? I feel like this is what some Disney movies yeah, are based on. It is. It's so like folklorian. Another version of this has the pirates boarding the wolf and taking Mary's pregnant mom, Elizabeth, aboard their own ship, causing her to go into labor and give premature birth to her daughter. And the pirate captain, also a father, took pity on her. He made her comfortable and allowed the captives to return to their ship and keep on going to Boston. And he gave her presents, including, again, the the light green piece of silk or green fabric or whatever plays a big role in this. And also where, so this is all, this is fact, what I'm saying here, too. This woman was born on the ship. She came over to Boston, but we're not sure really when that departs into something else entirely. And it also has roots in this Scottish-Irish folklore. So where the reality of this begins and the folklore takes over, it's hard to say, or if there's a mix or whatever, and certainly we'll talk later about people capitalizing on that. Either way, it's like this appropriated history and tale from Europe that was brought to the Americas. So they get to Boston. Mary's father died shortly after the ship landed, and Elizabeth remarried a man named James Clark, 
prior to settlement in Londonderry. He was another kind of Scottish-Irish immigrant guy, stuck close together, those Scots and Irish people. And a lot of the people who brought them there were Massachusetts Puritans. They convinced a lot of the immigrants that they would have a better life there. The Puritans viewed them as another persecuted religious minority and thought that if they band together, both groups could settle in the frontier in solidarity. Or the Puritans thought that maybe the Scottish-Irish would be on the front lines of the French and indigenous peoples, crosshairs, and they could kind of avoid any kind of conflict, violence, what have you. Hmm, Probably the latter, I would say. In any case, Elizabeth Wilson may have worn the green cloth on her wedding day. Um, That's the mother. And Mary, ocean-born Mary, grew up to be a handsome woman over six feet tall with red hair and bright green eyes. While reports of her physical appearance can't be verified, she had four sons and one daughter. All of her sons were known to be very tall, red-haired, and green-eyed. She was said to be elegant in her manners, resolute and determined, of strong mind, quick of comprehension, sharp in her conversation, and very witty with a strong brogue. And then Mary did, in fact, wear the green silk on her wedding day, a testament to her promise to that weird pirate who came aboard her ship as she was being born and spared the whole wolf's crew lives and passengers' lives. She married a man named James Wallace. They were married for 39 years until October 30th, spooky, 1781, when James died in Londonbury and was buried in the Hill Burying Ground there. In 1789, Mary moved in with her son William at his home in Henniker on the western side of New England. Mary lived a very long, very full life and died on February 13th, 1814, aged 93. She's buried in the center burying ground in Henniker, and her son and son-in-law were all prominent men in New Hampshire. In fact, the settlement celebrated ocean-born Mary's birthday every year. She was so beloved in all of the town. So we're going to talk a little bit about her life and afterlife and some of the Irish roots in a second. Support for this podcast comes from CDW and Dell Technologies. At CDWG, we get that migrating your agency to a hyper-converged infrastructure is challenging. Like me, switching to decaf. Gotta do it, don't wanna do it, but gotta do it. Whoa, slow down, friend. CDWG's experts can help simplify your transition from legacy to hyper-converged infrastructure with Dell Technologies solutions that offer speed and agility. Do it, do it. Have you done it? Is it done yet? Why isn't it done yet? IT orchestration by CDWG. People who get it. Find out more at cdwg.com slash Tech. How's everyone doing? How are you? Mm-hmm. Are good, you doing well? bad, very bad, extremely bad. Pretty good though, huh? <laughs> so uh, we just yeah, we're just checking in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're just we're here for you still. Again, anything you need, if you want to reach out, what have you? I think people are really reflecting on some past episodes, and some really resonate with people, and they mm-hmm. get in touch with us with really great stories. Yes. It's got to be a way for us to kind of go back and and take stories on certain episodes and maybe revisit some. Yeah, and you know, kind of update people sometimes there's new news things that'd be mm-hmm. something fun to do yeah i think we, we've done so many episodes at this point it's kind of hard to keep track of what what to update what not to but trying to be more cognizant of that for sure uh we actually had a really nice message from krista trails who said hey i just listened to your action park podcast on youtube and i'm literally dying laughing in tears because i used to go there every summer as a kid and we get relentlessly injured kids parents used to drop them off and leave them for the day uh, emoji with the cr- the crying emoji face. I remember getting stuck in this water ride. I think the cannon all one that shot you out in freezing water. The water just completely stopped flowing and I had to crawl in the pitch dark down the slide. 
I remember not being able to see the lifeguard yelling for me to keep crawling as I was bashing my face into the tunnel because I had no visual field. Don't even get me started with the wave pool. Let's get you started. I was like 50 pounds probably. I don't know how much I do skinny 8 to 11-year-old girls weigh. I was drowning and probably swallowed a gallon of water. I remember being a couple feet from the lifeguard on the side and she didn't see me drowning. My sister had to save me. The waves were so high, the water would be like two feet deep. But the next thing you knew, you would be skyrocketed 10 feet in the air. I have more stories, but don't want to overdo it. LOL. Thanks for the funny podcast. It brought back great memories. Her words, not mine. That sounds terrifying. That was her babysitter. It's, you know, you have <laughs> latchkey kids. The latchkey was this dangerous water park. Yeah. Horrible. Abusive water parks. And I think it's great. I mean, I think everyone has their own, whether Should it's like we? a haunted house or or water park or amusement park story even if it's not action park they have Agreed. their version of it i feel like we should revisit action park with all these stories combined like yeah. compiled together and combined there's also a documentary coming out i got the Ooh. the uh the director sent me the trailer earlier i don't know what has been happening with it lately but i want to clue that in and yeah. kind of include- we should do like a big meaty action park because it is one of the most it is one of my personal favorite episodes and it is so fucking funny and terrifying all at once. Let's get back to Oceanborn Mary. So Mary wore the silk that the pirate gave her back when she was a tiny little newborn. And it was also worn by many of her descendants at their own weddings. Pieces of the gown remain in the museum in Washington, D.C., uh, New Hampshire Historical Society, and in the public library of Henniker, New Hampshire. It is a lovely faded teal green silk in the brocade style with small teal flowers and white stripes through it. So th- this is also real. Like, this is, again, less of the mythology and more of the reality of the story. The folk song Oceanborn Mary by Neptune's Car was inspired by Mary's story, so she has a day and a song. But while she had a colorful origin story, Mary's biggest claim to fame is as a ghost. There were two Wallace houses in the town of Henniker, one the home of Mary's son Robert, the other to her other son William. After her husband's death, Mary lived with William, but she was not a fan of her son Robert and rarely visited him. William Wallace's house became the town poorhouse in 1840, and in 1923 it burned to the ground. Robert's home, built in 1760, still stands, and it's the place where Oceanborn Mary is said to haunt. Ironically enough, this is where the story of Oceanborn Mary kind of melds with an old Scottish Highlands ghost or figure of folk legend called the Green Lady. Historically, the Green Lady is a mortal woman, but enchanted by demons or fairies. She's very beautiful, slender, long hair with a long green dress. She's usually found or born from water, eh? and her stories surround a sighting of her entering a home soaking wet, and she asks, she kind of knocks and says, could she come in and warm herself and dry her clothing? If she's welcomed in by the people, she stays for a while, essentially becoming the home's own Green Lady. A good green lady can protect a house and the family in it. If the family moves, the green lady remains in the house and protects the next family to move in. A bad green lady does the same, but like all like demonic, horrible shit. So Oceanborn Mary is kind of an offshoot of the green lady. In 1917, Louis Gus Roy of Wisconsin (laughs) bought Robert Wallace's house. That's the, uh, the unfavored son of Oceanborn Mary. He did some fabricating himself he buried gold and a told everyone that a tall red-haired woman was haunting the house he gave home tours and created a lot of stories to entice tourists i don't fault him for it he was trying to like make some money off of this legend 
But this is where we get a lot of like, all right, relax. For example, Roy created a phantom rocking chair that was never Mary's, said that it was hers and said that she haunted it. It rocked because Mr. Roy placed it over a loose floorboard that extended across the length of the room. By shifting his weight on one side of it, the other side would make the chair sway. And of course, everyone who paid to get in to see this house were like, oh my God. When Mary died, she was buried in the cemetery behind the Henniker Town Hall. She was never, ever buried in this house. She didn't even live in this house. She didn't even go into this house. And yet, Roy kind of made it work. According to Roy's story, the same pirate captain who spared Mary's ship reunited with her in widowhood, and she took him into her home and cared for him in his old age. Some say he even married her. Both are probably not true. The captain who Roy called Don Pedro, was murdered under Mary's roof, and Mary buried him and his treasure under the hearthstone in accordance with his instructions. But still, it wouldn't have even been that house. It wouldn't have even been there. Mary's ghost haunts the house in order to protect the hidden treasure, and Roy charged 50 cents to have tourists take shovels, go into the backyard, and try to dig for treasure in this old historic monument. Lost strangers stopping at the house to ask for directions were said to be met at the door by a tall, red-haired woman in a colonial dress who they assumed to be a historical reenactor. Others thought they saw a similar figure in the yard or walking down the road to town. So there are sightings around this house, despite the kind of bullshit that went inside of it. Of course, no human remains or treasure have ever been found there. Mr. Roy died in 1965. Subsequent owners of the home, while intrigued by the legend, are discouraging people to come by or do anything around investigating the Oceanborn Mary legend. They moved the road in front of the house, blocking tourists from invading their privacy. The house last appeared in Yankee Magazine in September 1996, where it was the house in the house for sale section, listed at $875,000. Again, Mary's husband died on October 30th. Sightings of her have been reported all over town, even to this day, especially around Halloween. So maybe I want to credit the New England Historical Society, Jeremy Entremont, author of Oceanborn Mary, The Truth Behind a New Hampshire Legend, and Hollowhill.com. I think there's something to the green lady, the woman in white, mm -hmm. the woman in black, the man yeah, in a black. Whole color. Yeah, if you wheel. associate somebody with a color i feel like it's very alluring mm -hmm. it's very powerful and very charged i think the, the the visuals around it or even just like retelling a legend that has a really strong visual and this is a part of that but it's kind of true too and again it's like who knows how much of this is actually real or whatever but it's a nice like bridge from old world shit to this new, to the new world. I saw a ghost. It was the woman in cat hair. She was a woman. She was, her oh, shirt was covered in cat hair. Uh-oh. <laughs> Support for this podcast comes from State Farm. With surprisingly great rates, State Farm is the real deal when it comes to home and car insurance. State Farm agents are always ready to help you personalize your insurance plan so you can create a policy that fits your needs. You can manage your coverage, pay your bill, or even file a claim right from your phone with the State Farm mobile app. And you can always call one of the State Farm agents in neighborhoods across the country. Get a great rate without sacrificing great service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Support for this podcast comes from Stella Artois. This summer, enjoy the life Artois. You can experience it anywhere, from your patio to the tidal basin. All it takes is being present, being there, 
with the people you love and a cold Stella Artois in hand. Wherever you are, you're never too far from the life Artois. Stella Artois. Please enjoy responsibly.